What is up, everybody? It's your host, Delaney McGuire. So, happy Tuesday, happy St. Patrick's Day, and happy quarantine. Uh, It's a pretty crazy time, a pretty crazy week we've got going on, and this is the first of several episodes we'll just be recording sort of off the cuff um, in response to everything that's going on, because it's important to have these, have conversations and, you know, talk about how we can spread a positive message and how we can come together in a time where everyone's pretty prone to fear. Um, so today I have on a great friend, Sam Kabert. He is a successful entrepreneur in many different ventures. Um, and he's got a very, very interesting personal journey of spirituality, um, which we dive into in our conversation. So I'm going to keep it short and sweet and we're going to jump right into it. And yeah, just guys take the time to reach out and connect. Like if you're at home and you have so much, you, you know, you've got time on your hands. Like I'd, I'd invite you to ask yourself, what can you do that's out of your comfort zone to connect with someone that you're maybe distant from or, um, you know, where do you have the opportunity to lend a hand to someone that may be struggling, whether it's financially or physically during this time of need? Um, it just, yeah, ask those questions. So yeah, enjoy this conversation with Sam and stay safe out there. Welcome to another episode of the Forge Your Path podcast. I'm your host, Delaney McGuire. Um, so I'm really excited, Sam, that we're getting to do this because obviously, you know, we've been in, in contact. And for all the listeners um, listening to this episode, uh, Sam is a member of the Fit for Service community uh, that I'm a part of this year. It's really, um, you know, a year-long personal development um, community really tied around how we can become our best versions of ourselves so that we can, you know, go back and, you know, be of service and serve the people in our communities and our lives and, you know, um, through our businesses and different ventures. So uh, Sam and I got to connect in Tulum in Mexico this past year. And um, Sam's been a great friend, a great mentor, and I've learned so much from him, uh, even just the last couple of weeks and last month. Um, so I'm really excited to dig into your personal story. And, and especially I find, I find people like you really, really interesting in, in that your story is pretty dynamic because obviously you're, you know, successful in, across these different bin- businesses and different passions that you've got, um, which I'll for sure give you a chance to expand upon. But you also have this cool, like personal side of your journey and how you've kind of pivoted, you know, there, there's been a pretty stark change in your moral compass or your values and what you, what you care about. So I'm like really excited to dive into that for our listeners. So, um, Sam is a California native and you've got your swag business. So your swag, Sam is your, uh, your public facing, you know, nickname. Um, and it sounds like that's sort of where you got your entrepreneurial start. And then since then expanding into the, you know, the creative content space, uh, with a slew of different podcasts and, and um, content channels around food, around business development, um, and spirituality. So um, thank you for joining. And, you know, do you want to start us off by giving us a little background on where you're at today and sort of what it looked like to get to, uh, you know, 
the point yeah. where we were able to get here and meet in Tulum. Yeah, definitely, Delaney. Thank you for the very kind words and warm introduction. And um, I am so impressed with what you're doing. And you have me inspired wanting to look into being more of a minimalist and potentially do van life in some capacity. So anyways, <laughs> um, you know, the feeling is mutual. So really love what you're up to. And thank you for the opportunity to share my medicine with the medicine that you're sharing with your people um anyways to answer your question um yeah i grew up with entrepreneurial parents and uh, grandparents and even great grandparents i was kind of in my dna you could say right and um i went to chico state it's known as like a party school in northern california it's a small school so nationwide worldwide people don't really know it but um you know if you're in california you probably know it and I did a variety of different things when I was there. I lived above the most popular bar in town and didn't get any sleep for a year when I did that. And the whole Greek life thing. And I repped Monster Energy drinks, uh, uh company, stand-up paddleboard says, anti-hangover drink company, all kinds of stuff. And I was a recreation major, um, just having a lot of fun. And all I really ever wanted to do was go to work wearing board shorts and sandals. And I didn't, and I didn't know what that would look like. Right. Um, here I am 10 years later. That's kind of what I'm doing because now I moved to Santa Cruz. Um, but your question is kind of what I've done to get where I'm at now. And I did the grind. Like, I mean, I did, um, coming out of college, I launched my first business. It's called Chico feet. I sold sandals that leave an impression and, in other words, Chico Feet. It's kind of a gimmicky long story there, but that's how I got my start into the swag business, promotional products. And my family has an office supply company. So I merged that with them and I did the whole thing, you know, wearing a suit, knocking on doors. I did that for a couple of years. And it's funny because back then in like 2012 or something, I would say each year I started dressing down a little bit more each year. And I didn't put that together till about three years ago. So I never wore like a suit jacket, but I went from wearing like a tie to at some point losing the tie to at some point losing the dress shirt and having a polo with dress pants to at some point losing the polo or lo losing the dress pants and doing a polo with jeans. And then I went to wearing a t-shirt, um, and jeans to visit clients. <laughs> so it's kind of funny, like, you know, how you evolve like that. And one of the things I'm kind of a sales background is like, you know, you want to, if you're meeting your clients in person, you kind of want to dress to how they dress. And a lot of my clients are in Silicon Valley. That's where I'm from. And I am not encouraging people to go to a meeting in Silicon Valley as a sales meeting in a t-shirt and jeans, but I've done it, you know, and um, I'm at a point in my career now where I just don't care, you know, like I want to authentically be me and not have my clothes be a deciding factor. Like if, if I'm dressing down, some, someone doesn't want to work with me. Perfect. Cause I don't want to work with you either. Cause we don't vibe, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. I actually want to ask one more question before I derail it too much, but I just find this in interesting. So you say like, yeah, at this point in your career now, 
that's an opportunity that you have because it allows you to show up more authentically. So if you're younger, so you, so you think there's a relationship to how, how much, how much capacity you have to show up authentically based on your maturity in the market? Or do you think like young entrepreneur in the game, it's important to kind of flex to meet people where they're at? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, when you're young, you definitely, there's something to be said to not have that cocky attitude, you know, and um, it's like, I, I I don't think you can just show up to like a meeting and whether it's your the clothes that you're wearing that makes it look like you're kind of a know-it-all or anything else. Like, you know, you need to have that respect. And I guess my story there is, it just happened over time. And part of it was my spiritual awakening with mother ayahuasca last year. And maybe a few weeks after that, I had a meeting with a potential buyer at Google and we were meeting at Starbucks, not actually at Google's campus. Um, And I felt called to wear shorts and sandals to this meeting. And next thing you know, I'm telling this uh, potential buyer about my experience with ayahuasca because she is very spiritual too, you know? And I think, yeah, it's just like one of those things, right? Like if you lean into what you're, who you'll, you most authentically are like, I mean, the universe, I I'd like to believe rewards that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. Um, all right. So you launched this swag business I, I kind of want to. I want to go two different directions, so I'll let you. I'll let you pick which one you want to go into first. Um, I know you've got this swag business that sounds like has become, you know, a pretty good financial vehicle for you, um, and that's enabled you to kind of launch some of these other things that you're doing. So I'd love for you to elaborate on how that has, how that has turned into the different podcast platforms that you're currently running. But then also, I'd I'd love for you to talk to that you, you, you just mentioned this um, pretty transformational event in your life, which was your ayahuasca trip. So um, what, what was it that led up to that? Like what was going on in your personal life that called you to that, that spiritual experience? Like what, what were some of these telltale signs that there was like a big shift coming for you? For sure. Um, I'll try to answer both of these together. So with the swag business, I should describe that. So swag is just branded merchandise, promotional products. Um, you know, you get grocery bags at the grocery store, you buy t-shirts at concerts, anything branded, right? It's a, the most un, the, the quietest industry that we all interact with every day. Like no one really thinks about like where the stuff comes from. So anyways, I sell corporate um, to a lot of tech companies, healthcare, et cetera. And I remember when I was just getting started in my career, I went to an office supplies convention, super exciting, I know, and um, <laughs> it was the national conference because that's what my parents' business was, and I was selling office supplies as well, and one of the girls there jokingly called me Swag Sam because I was just talking about swag, and I couldn't really relate to them about like selling furniture or you know manage print services like uh, large-scale printers and you know, copy paper, whatever, you know, um, I was just talking about swag cause I didn't really sell the other stuff as much. So she jokingly called me swag, Sam. And I always thought that was kind of funny. And I, at some point changed my Instagram handle to swag, Sam, but never really thought too much of it. 
And the swag business I've been doing since 2011, I would say I cracked the code. I really figured it out probably like around 2015. Um, and then I doubled, I don't remember at what point I would have to look it up, but I doubled my business three years in a row. Um, and then I just started to grow from there. And I looked around in the fall of 2016. And at the time I should say I was hustling hard in Silicon Valley. That's where I'm from. I was on, uh, I was a member of a couple of boards, like local nonprofits. And I ran a young professionals group called Silicon Valley Young Professionals, where we threw monthly events. And so I had a pretty uh, good network, right? But then day, I'm still just a dude selling promotional products, brand merch in Silicon Valley. No one cares about that. It, you know, that's why I had to do all these other things to make a name for myself. But it still wasn't feeding my soul, or I should say not my soul, my ego, right? Right? Because you want that recognition if that's your ego. Anyways, I digress. Um, so quick story, I mentioned Chico Feet, my first business. When I did that in college, um, it, Chico's a small town. It was very much big fish in a small pond. The founder of Sierra Nevada Brewery knew who I was because he saw me on TV because the news picked up this story. And I was known as like this Chico Feet guy selling these sandals that left an impression sand of a common expression in the town of Chico. Chico fee, right? So in 2016, fast forwarding to when I'm in Silicon Valley, kind of looking around being like, I need to feed my ego. You know, I need more recognition. I'm like, I need my Chico fee. What's going to be my thing, right? And I saw a buddy from college that started a YouTube show and he's a psychologist and he's got amazing edits in his YouTube show. He's funny. And he had like, I don't know, maybe 10,000 subs subscribers at the time. Um, and then I saw another friend from uh, college doing pretty well with a podcast. And then I saw two people in my industry doing really well with their podcasts. So then at this point in time, I'm like, I want to launch a podcast. So I didn't know anything about it. And I enlisted the help of two of my friends, um, Sergio Oliver and Palvinder Jagate. Um, I work with them through the Silicon Valley Young Professionals. And together, the three of us, uh, when I was chair, we, we like just completely reversed the sentiment of the Silicon Valley young professionals, like we grew it so strong and it just became like such a cool group. And I was always like the business guy and Sergio was the charismatic one. And, you know, he knew everyone. Then my other friend, pal is our videographer that would set up these little video shoots, uh, like promo videos to help promote the events. So we had a strong thing going. So I was thinking, let me talk to these guys and talk to them about doing a podcast. Cause I have my charismatic friend and I have my AV guy that can help me with the, the whole audio thing and the tech stuff, because I'm the most, uh, or I am the least tech savvy millennial in Silicon Valley. Um, so I need as much help as I can get anyways. So yeah, Delaney, um, let's see. So I started the podcast with those guys and, um, within a couple of months and just were, for a time frame, when, when was this, how long ago did you start? January 17th, 2017, we had our first one. And let me walk you through that story because this is the story of taking action. The week prior, I spent at least several months trying to convince these guys to uh, do the podcast with me. And they kept saying no, neither of them would do it. And then in 
the first or second week of January must have been the first week I was in Las Vegas at the largest uh, conference for the swag industry. And I saw those two guys I mentioned earlier do a live podcast. So they're showing how easy I event it is to do a podcast. Took my iPhone out. I video record it. I sent it to my buddies, Sergio and pal and said, I'm in Vegas. I'm watching how easy it is to do a live podcast. You guys are coming over to my house next week and we're figuring this out. And then Sergio said, yes, pal said no. <laughs> so um, Sergio came over the next week and we were like in that scene in Zoolander where they're like, it's inside the computer, you know, because we couldn't figure out like how to record to the podcast. We were just like, <laughs> well, do we just hit record and we're no microphones, no headphones. And then we did it on like SoundCloud and then it said like, oh, it's a success. And then we checked our work and we're like, what we just launched a podcast and then i remember um yeah we celebrated and then there, there's some synchronistic things that happen how we came up with the name what up silicon valley and then um i got the bug right away i started to listen to podcasts on how to podcasts and discovered john lee dumas i went to the largest uh conference for podcasting uh, within a few months. So I, I just like was like, okay, we need to do this right because we just launched without knowing what we were doing and then figured it out as we went. Um, but yeah, so that was 2017. Within a couple months, we partnered with the Silicon Valley Business Journal. We partnered with um, the Silicon Valley Capital Club, which is like the most baller high rise networking club in Silicon Valley or in the South Bay of Silicon Valley. And it's the type of place where I would have to actually put on slacks and a, at least a polo to get in, <laughs> you know, if that paints the picture. Um, so anyways, um, we had a Super Bowl champion on within a few podcasts and we knew we were on to something. So I'll spare you all the details, but we came up with the idea of relaunching as a media network and, that next year, January of 2018, we relaunched What Up Silicon Valley to be a media company. And we had five of our friends have podcasts on our network, um, which was pretty cool because the idea was to grow something larger than ourselves rather than, you know, us promoting What Up Silicon Valley and it funneling to our personal brands or businesses. It was like, pitching it to our friends, you could start your own podcast and then you could be trying to grow this podcast. But if we create a media network and we're all pushing out this media network and then they discover the podcast within it, it's almost like being a contributor to Forbes or say a podcaster for Gimlet or NPR, but we're just doing it ourselves. It's just a perception, a, posi a positioning thing. So we did that. And then um, that was huge success. Um, and just kept cranking things out. I started doing more podcasts. I wrote three books in a year. We started a YouTube show, which you referenced about the food content. So we have a YouTube show called Eat Up Silicon Valley, where we go to restaurants and um, just smaller restaurants in the South Bay and just highlight what they have and whatnot. And then, um, yeah, I just, I thought I was going to make, um, 40 under 40 by the Silicon Valley business journal in 2019 or 2018. And when I didn't make that, that was kind of a, a crush to my ego. Um, I had been in an off and on again relationship at the time, maybe two years or something. Um, and there was a lot of lust around it. 
cheerleader, professional NFL cheerleader, that type of stuff, knowing like this isn't long-term, but you know, just the on and off pressures, the start to realize that I don't like selling promotional products anymore, start to realize that I'm spending less than four hours a day uh, selling promotional products while still increasing my sales, which is why I could, um, produce so much content. So I leaned into doing more content. Um, and then Mercury retrograde hit in March of 2019 and it hit me so hard. Um, my ex and I, my now ex, we broke up cause it was on and off again in January of 2019. February was super easy for me. Like I didn't even really care. Something happened in March where I fell into a deep depression and I, and I let my, um, my brain uh, win in the battle of all these games of why we should be together and why I need to be with her and me doing all the desperate clingy things to try and get her back to me um, looking into spirituality, experiencing a cow ceremony. Um, and then here's the ayahuasca stuff. So that's the business stuff. Um, I heard about ayahuasca in 2018 when I was starting to feel like something's not quite right. And um, a friend introduced me to Aubrey Marcus um, and his documentary about ayahuasca. I had no idea what it was. Uh, I started microdosing with psilocybin regularly in the summer of 2018, I think, um, and that helped. And I had always felt a call to ayahuasca when I first heard about it, but I was scared out of my mind and I didn't feel like I needed to do it. I felt like I was just very curious and knew I would do it someday and want to do it because I've always been very like spiritually curious. Like what is this human experience? Like, why are we doing this? What happens after this? As a 10 year old asking my dad, dad, if, uh, God created us who created God and him working on a tractor and like telling me to hand him a wrench and just being like, no one knows, <laughs> oh my God. you know, and that, and that being like my childhood memory, you know, like always just wondering, That's right? Deep, man. So, yeah. So it's kind of like, um, you know, I, I needed that reason. And um, when that depression hit uh, a friend introduced me to power now, by Eckhart Tolle, and that's a great book. Um, Love still, that book, man. Love it. Figured you would. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. So, Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, so anyways, like, th that happened hard. I did a cacao ceremony with a friend, and then she asked uh, my friend, she asked the instructor afterwards about ayahuasca. And then my friend goes on to say how she's doing ayahuasca in two weeks. And she's a pretty, and she was a pretty good friend. So afterwards on the car ride back, I was like, so you're doing ayahuasca in two weeks and you didn't tell me because she was trying to keep it super hush hush and whatever. And I thought she had known, like I was super curious about doing it. So I followed her journey and she had a great experience. And then she told me all about it. And I was like, all right, I'm doing it because I was at a point of surrender like I never was in my life. Like it was like, this is going to cure me. Like this is not cure me, but yeah, I put too much expectation on it as well. But I, I, I would say that I really identified with the concept of surrender. So I, I don't think I really looked at it as like, oh, this is going to cure me. It was more like I'm going to surrender to this and let whatever happens happens because 
I need massive change. So it was kind of the opposite of tying that expectation. It was mm. like, yeah. And um, anyways, my ayahuasca journey has now been well documented through the form of a project now known as Soul Seeker. Um, I did ayahuasca in April of 2019. I followed it by a psilocybin journey for healing a heroic dose about two weeks later. And that was the major catalyst. And within a week of both of those, I had five, uh, five part blog series about how ayahuasca changed my life. And I started to have a strong desire to share this medicine and started to brain brand storm, not brainstorm, but brandstorm a new brand, um, to share the medicine, the spiritual stuff. And that became known as soul seeker and launched soul seeker a few months after doing ayahuasca and it's a podcast all about mindfulness, spirituality, plant medicine, heavy focus of plant medicine, but um, really just an interview based show where I question other people into in spirituality about their practices. And I try to approach it uh, as a crash course. So kind of like a good podcast for those of us that are newer into spirituality so that like, we're not just like saying things and assume that you know what we mean. I try like stop my guests and be like, hey, can you explain that? Um, so anyways, uh, that's how I got down journey. And then uh, you and I met through Fit for Service, like you said, and now um, things are really rolling, feeling great, right? Yes, dude. Yes. So yeah. that's awesome. Um, yeah, that's so interesting. It, it, it's all like you'd said, the whole idea of plant medicine is so new to you or had been so new to you and foreign to you pre previous to all of, you know, this fit for service stuff. And, and before you had done it last, uh, early last year. And well, I've done it mushrooms like 30 times recreation. So not like right, site. Right. Yeah. Cause there's a difference between psychedelics and plant medicine. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I'm curious though, because it is, it is a hot topic. Um, you know, in our circle and I think in many circles that haven't quite, quite gone mainstream and you, you kind of lightly mentioned, Oh, microdosing was super helpful. What was that experience mm -hmm. like for you? And I, I just love to talk to someone like you about it because it's like, everyone has heard like the hippie guy on Instagram. That's like, you know, living in an RV park, talk about how much they love psychedelics and how great they are for our psyche. But I think there's always a huge disconnect when it's like, okay, well, I don't really have an aspiration to be like that guy. So I'm going to disregard his message. But like, um, you know, I just, I just watched this great documentary that Kyle Dow um, oh, nice. recommended called Reconnect. And it's, is the founder of uh, this guy who runs a huge, huge um, digital media company called London Real. I don't know if you're familiar, mm -hmm. but um, it's mm -hmm. cool because it's the same thing. It walks through his like journey with ayahuasca, but he is like this mega, mega successful dude and i think like we have this cultural conditioning that has told us since the day we're born that like beware of psychedelics they're bad they're gonna melt your brain and like everyone should make no one should ever feel pressured to do it um you know no one should ever it, it should be everyone's own personal decision if it's something they want to explore but i just find it very intriguing when you find when you come across extremely contrary evidence supporting a completely different position than what you have been told your whole life. So that brings me back to being curious about your example, because you're obviously not a schizophrenic dude on the side of the, ch the side of the road asking for change, you know, like you so found, you found legitimate value in what 
these um, what people will dub medicines have to offer. Oh, for sure. And before I get into that story, it kind of gives me chills that we're talking about this because um, very synchronistic. Um, I just got off the phone uh, probably about an hour ago with a friend from college, uh, my college in California, where now he lives in Austin, Texas, and he's anyways kind of he's got friends of friends i guess at, on it or something and um he's the type of guy that would be skeptical about like even microdosing and he just told me about how he microdosed for the first time and he's loving it and how it's helping him like so much and he's like this is crazy like you're not tripping at all right and um so kind of to your point but anyways for me when i saw when I first heard about microdosing, um, my friend in Silicon Valley had wrote, he either wrote a blog for us about microdosing in Silicon Valley and, or he shared some blogs with me, um, about Silicon Valley, like executives and C-level type people microdosing. So that kind of had me like, huh, I guess this is like socially acceptable, you know, like interesting. So that's why I was so like, okay, yeah, sure. I, I'll try it. And I was very surprised with how it just like almost makes you just feel happy and um, just notices those little synchronicities. Like for me, if I have like, say uh, weed mint, I get high, right? Like you get high off of that with the psilocybin, the microdose, like you if you're doing it the way I did it, where it's a true microdose, like you're not really feeling much at all, but things are just connecting and it just, uh, things become more crystal clear and you just feel like you're more conscious and more aware of everything that you're doing. Um, so that's kind of how it happened with me. And yeah, I'm a huge fan. That's beautiful, man. And I, I want to clarify, not clarify, I'm just curious. One other thing that you, you just mentioned too was you were doing your swag business from 2011 and you didn't, it took you four years to crack the code. So what happened in 2015 that allowed you to double your business three years consecutively? Oh, this is an ad for my CRM and order management of uh, uh, friends. Um, they're called common skew. I went from doing estimates and sales orders and invoices in a word document. Um, I don't even remember how I had my clients in a CRM and I would spend like hours doing a presentation in a PowerPoint to moving to their order management tool. And it just saved me so much time that I was able to focus on sales and not the the admin stuff, which go figure six years later, now I'm teaching entrepreneurs how to scale their business by focusing on their strengths and hiring out for their weaknesses via virtual assistants. Go figure, right? That's kind of how I cracked the code. So yeah, the, it was really just a software more than anything because I'm already kind of natural, good at, um, pretty good at sales. So yeah. Very cool. Well, sweet, man. I think we just got the perfect uh, segue because I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Um, obviously, that's, some, that's something you've been sharing with our Fit for Service community as a, as a resource and offering some coaching for us. Um, but I think a lot of people listening to this podcast will be of that millennial generation who are like, you know, they've been asking their questions on what's next for me. 
And if, if that answer is a business pursuit, you know, specifically in terms of what you're kind of promoting now with, with this virtual assistant, you know, what are some of these, what are some of the huge opportunities that new entrepreneurs can apply right away so they don't have to do years of rework? Um, you know, what are, what are some of those great lessons you can learn off the bat or, or tools to apply? Um, if you're, that's kind of hard to say. So right now I think that creating content is more important than it's ever been before. Um, I'm just going generally and vaguely answer your question. Sure. It's kind of broad. Of cool. Um, so if you're kind of like, say you're in corporate and you're feeling called to start a side hustle or your own business or whatever, you just don't really like what you're doing in corporate. Is that kind of what we're talking about here? Or are you talking about someone that's already got a business that just needs help growing it? I was more just opening, honestly, I was opening the door for you to shed a little light on the lessons you've learned. So it's like, you know, you talk about clone yourself and some of these tools and tips like with, with VA, like, like, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people probably get like, I know me here, here, let's just take me as an example. I have found a passion that I'm really driven by. So it's like, I, maybe it's almost a little naive of me, but it's like, I, really want to help people. And I have this firm belief that like that will trump everything. I have like a strong heart. I have a strong will to bring my passion or my gift to the world, but maybe I lack business acumen. So it's like, what are some of those tangible things I should be thinking about if I've got a business or if I've, I've got like a rough business plan, what tweaks do I need? Yeah. So I have a, a free guide on my website, cloneyourselfu.com. It's just clone yourself the letter u.com and um, it's under the freebies page and it's called the three essential tips to working with VAs or something along those lines. But the only reason why I bring that up is because there's a worksheet on there called the time audit. And this is the most important thing as a business owner, even if you're employed or even in your personal life, if you want to be intentional about your time and use this worksheet to, pretty much just document what you do every day, all day for at least a week on a more normal-ish week. So like right now at the time of this recording, this is like right when the coronavirus went on lockdown in California. So nothing is normal right now. We don't even have an idea of what new normal looks like. Um, So this would not be a normal-ish week. But having said that, you know, you know what your normal-ish week looks like. So you just document what you're doing all day and every time, how much time you spend on a specific task. And then the worksheet helps you like add it all up and break it into categories and things like that. And it's kind of an eye opener because you'll be like, what? I spent like two hours building a website today and like doing website edits when like that's taking away from my actual strengths. Right. So the whole idea is to, look at this worksheet and be like, okay, that does not require my specific skill set because it's your responsibility to double down on your strengths and hire for your weaknesses. So if it, it my goal, it's almost like a game. I want work as little as possible, like work, because I want to live my life. So I look at what requires 
me doing it. Like Delaney and I need to do this podcast right now. Like I cannot hire a VA to do that for me, but I can hire a VA to edit the podcast, to create the graphic for it, to write the copy for the show notes, to schedule it uh, to go live at a certain date, like all that type of stuff. Like I don't need to be doing that. And if you free up that time and you're a new entrepreneur and you're still building your business, then you can use that freed up time to now sell more so you can grow your business. Then once you get to a point where you feel like, okay, this strength is good, you have two options, or this the sales are good. You have two options. You can double down again and grow your business and keep, 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 keep growing. Or you can do what I'm doing where I'm shifting and I'm adopting Tim Ferriss's um, concept of the NR, the new rich. Like I found my number that have how much money I need to make to live my lifestyle. And I want to live my life and not necessarily keep growing my business, which isn't necessarily the best business traditional advice because uh, what a true business person would do is put the pedal on the metal and keep growing, 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 growing. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think that's great. And I, I I'm familiar with that term hundred percent and actually, um, you, of course you are. <laughs> uh, that's something that kind of led to me, you know, choosing the whole van life thing. It's like, man, the new rich concept. It's, it's like, you don't need to wait till you retire. You don't need to like amass a like a billion dollars and then you can finally be happy. It's like, how can I, how can I have enough money to do things I love? Where can I concede some costs? You know, where can I, where are the ways that I can cut spending that don't, that don't, you know, cut my happiness or even enable me to have more happiness by spending less money. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's such a, such a cool, important concept. Um, very cool. So this is another interesting question that I have for you. And it, it I, I was thinking through your experience and sort of based on what you've, you've told me, um, on this journey you've gone where, you know, it started as like a business venture and now it's like, okay, you've built the business. Um, you've got the financial, the financial flexibility and now you're kind of expanding and thinking about your passions and being able to put your time towards the things you love. So like if you, I don't, you can ask this either as you thinking back, like if you could re relive it or just someone, you know, who's starting out, like what, what questions would you ask yourself to ensure it like unfolds the way that you'd like it to now? Um, and I guess to be a little more clear about that, it's like, do you, do you think you approached it like the best way where it's like, you know, get the figure out the financial first and then circle back and then work on passion. Or it's like you, you could have, you could have seen like you would have rather just tied your passion to it from the beginning. I mean, I'm still learning. I'm, I'm still learning for sure. And I feel like everything's playing out exactly like how it was supposed to play out, which is like the spiritual answer. Like, totally. You know, right. But yeah, I mean, it really has. Um, and there's been so many synchronicities and interesting times. Other things have just woven together. But I'll, I will tell you this: in 2013-ish, probably, I was getting—I don't remember the exact year. It was give or take. So it was pretty early on in my career, and 
when I first started working with my parents, I was focusing on office supply sales more in promotional. And I was terrible at selling office supplies. And I told them and I had a lot of pushback and resentment and it was hard working my parents and I didn't want to do it. You know, clearly wasn't um, passionate for selling pens and paper and furniture and blah, blah, blah. So people gravita gravitated towards buying promotional products and promotional products are very um, time incentive, uh, time, time intensive um, process to do the orders. So it was taking a long time for me to like process orders and whatnot. And it would take away from my office supply sales. And one day I, um, or I slowly started to look at my friends that were like crushing it with Salesforce and the tech companies. And I started to talk to my parents and tell them like, Hey, I think I want to go actually work corporate because I've never been in a corporate setting. And it would be a good thing for me to learn from them, especially since I was a recreation business or uh, recreation major and not business. And I told them too, like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to come back. Maybe I'll come back 10 years from now, like when you guys are closer to retiring and I'll learn a bunch of things and I can apply it to the business, but maybe I'll never come back. Um, and my dad had a lot of pushback. And I remember one afternoon we went and got lunch. We never like did lunch or anything like that. Like it, usually lunch looked like either he had some home cooked food or I uh, cooked something from home or you know, one of us or an employee would run out to get lunch, pick it up and then eat it at your desk or as we're standing around. We never like went out to lunch, you know. Um, so we went to lunch with his dog and um, he just started telling me about like how great he has it. Like he, and he was saying, look around, like you can do things when you want to do them, when you're the boss. And I, I bring my dogs to work. I'm wearing shorts and sandals, you know, and it's just like, is it chill? It's a good cush lifestyle. It's not easy, but you want to go grind and work for someone else and work 12 hours a day. Like that's fine, but you're never going to have this freedom. So it was that type of conversation and me being that like, angry kid that didn't want to listen to him, you know, but reluctantly <laughs> did, <laughs> you know, and then uh, nothing like who knows how my life would have planned out. So I guess my long winded answer for you is mentorship, whether it's a friend, it's a colleague or whatever, but that was my mentorship from my father that he gave me the good advice to stay because if I didn't have that advice from him or really the opportunity to work in their business until I grew mine, you know, like I, who knows? That's what beautiful. Happen. And I think there's something to be said there too, about that, um, that ideal runway, right? Like being able to work with your family to give you that opportunity and that time to grow and foster your, mm -hmm. you know, your baby, your business. Um, because it's kind of tough, right? Like if you have no resources, no time, and you have to work a back-breaking job or something that depletes you uh, energetically, you know, trying to sputter and get yeah. something off the ground is going to be really challenging. Right. A hundred percent. And that's that leap of faith. And sometimes the leap of faith is much harder than other scenarios, you know? Very true. Very true. All right. So... I kind of want to pivot now, you know, I'm really happy we got to talk through a lot of your experience and just like you mentioned, dude, coronavirus is going hard right now. Um, 
so I want to see if we can chat on just a little positivity and, you know, you know, talk about that a little bit. And just like my personal experience with like what's going on these last couple of weeks, um, last couple of days, even like I just drove out here to California as well. And, you know, obviously I'm young and healthy, so I'm not really worried about it for myself, but I do totally understand that we should be limiting the spread of it. Um, but it was really interesting yesterday and I, I kind of shared this on Instagram. I was like, Oh, this is going to be no problem at all. Like I, I came out here to see like one specific friend, um, this girl I'm friends with. And she was like saying, yeah, you, if worst case, if anything happens, you can come crash with me. And I was like, Oh, cool. Um, it'll be cool to spend some time with friends. And like things were starting to get crazy. I said, gyms were starting to close. And I was kind of getting a little freaked out. And then I was like, Hey, is it still cool if I come by? And then she was like, oh, my roommates actually said no, like no one can come over because quarantine. And obviously like that's that's totally like fine. Like obviously that's their space, their right to say that. But part of me was pretty hurt and pretty triggered. I was like, dang, this fear mindset just like pierced me a little bit, like the collective consciousness of fear. And I, I, I felt a little angry at first. And then I was like, you know what? That's not good. You, you sh- I shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't be reactive to all the fear out there. So like, um. I just kind of wanted to set the stage on where my mind is at and why I kind of reached out and invited, like, let's, let's start doing some positive, positive podcasts and whatnot. So like, what is, I guess just some like super fundamental level. Um, what has your routine looked like the last couple of days? What has your life been looking like now that you're kind of probably stuck indoors <laughs> like the rest of us? I feel you a hundred percent on all the sentiments there. Everything from like, not really, um, worried about it because you're young, but at the same point, not wanting to contribute. And, and then also, like, I think we're making a bigger deal about it. And then looking about how, why am I feeling this way and all that, and just all of it. Um, so my past few days have been nuts because I feel like everyone is on my time now. It's like, welcome <laughs> to my world. <laughs> <That's beautiful. laughs> and I'm sure you know, yeah, I bet you probably know that um, doing uh, van life, right? Like, how was it different for for you these past eight months or whatever it's been um, of van life versus when you're, I assume you're working in an office full time? Right? Oh, yeah, exactly. So, it, it, no, but seriously, it's kind of funny because, like, I – I have a lot of enthusiasm about what's going around right now because this is going to be the first major catalyst in a huge shift in an upward swing of something that's going to happen in our society, whether it be mindfulness or collective conscious, um, the way we our our businesses are set up and run, um, all types of stuff. Like I am extremely um terrified about my own business um, because my sales are suffering just like everyone else in every industry, um, which that makes me feel a little bit better. Um, it's, I feel terrible for my friends and just anyone that has had to, I had a friend that I talked to yesterday. He had to lay off 12. Oh my gosh. That is not. Yes. That is, that's something that no one should have to do. Anyway. You know this person, you know this person too. So uh, we can talk offline. Anyways, um, yeah. So there's been crazy stuff. And then my heart goes out to the actual actual illnesses, you know, the people that are uh, suffering from this. So having said all that, setting the stage on that, 
Now going back to why I'm enthusiastic about this. And I, I, this isn't clicking for me until you ask me this question and it's starting to click. It's one, because I'm starting to see people are used to this other lifestyle that guys like people, men and women are leading like you and I, right? Like where it's like, see, you don't have to work for the man. Um, and I don't think you can go back to that after this is going to be at least a three to four week lockdown in a lot of parts of the country. And then also a big part of my depression comes from the way the system is run and also guilt, because I look at like, there's no way for me or collectively for us to change the way our society is run that we are working for the man. And we're either slaves uh, to the system or we're sellouts, right? And I've been working on reframing that those two options because technically that would make me a sellout. So the way I've been looking at it is there's this third option of doing something about it, right? There's, I, maybe there's a fourth option where you don't know your, your sellout. I don't know. But um, now what I've been doing with Soul Seeker and with my new business, Clone Yourself, is teaching people to have more soul life balance because work is just a component of life. And the work life balance was some fucking bullshit. No, Excuse rip my it, French rip on it. Your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, but dude, like the work life balance is this dream that they're selling to us. Like what you were talking about earlier when you mentioned the new rich, right? Where it's like, oh, work all your life so then you can retire and enjoy your life. But work so that you get your PTO, work so that you can go on this amazing vacation and we can sell more. Like it's all just yeah. a bunch of nonsense. Um, my dad would say, his dad told him this lesson, but you want to work to live, not live to work. And the work-life balance has us in this mindset of that we need to um, be work. We need to be living so we can do our work stuff because work comes first. And it's like, no, work is just a component of life. We're not feeding our souls. And that's why there's so much depression and so many, so much mental illness right now because we're just caught up in this system. So I have a lot of um, anger that I'm have bottled up around that and just, just not, that's the big part of like my story, right? So for me, I'm looking at this being a huge opportunity for massive shifts. Um, so I'm kind of excited what's going on, but it's also terrifying. Wow. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. There's a lot of directions I want to take that. And I'll have a follow-up question, but one thing I want to note, and I think it's really interesting what you said about the difference between work-life balance and soul-life balance. I want to hear your take on how we can achieve soul-life balance. But one very interesting thing I found, like I was very aware of this new rich thing, um, or I like became aware, and I, I these blind spots were became blatantly obvious to me. I'm like, holy crap! I have been you, I have been following this corporate dream, which I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like you know no one should ever work a corporate job because like I'm extremely grateful for for that security and safety um, in this time of like you know uncertainty but i found to be very interesting that while i've been pursuing like just because you're doing an entrepreneurial venture on your own doesn't mean that it that it's like soul filling at the same time because actually what i what i just uncovered about myself was that 
sure I have shifted my purpose over to starting a company that's really built on helping others. But I actually found that I had this deep underlying motive that I was still choosing. It's really hard because like, you know, you mentioned it, you need to grind, you need to hustle to get, like you need to put work in if you want to succeed. But I actually do feel that a lot of the underlying motive for me starting this company was like a place of ego, kind of like you mentioned. And it's like, I'm really trying to slow myself down at the early stages and see if like, maybe, you know, maybe this is a question for you. Help me out here, Sam. (laughs) Um, But like, man, how do you, how do you balance those two things and make sure it's all coming from that place of like wholeness on the inside? Like, how do you, how do you keep your soul full and also pursue, pursue your business? Because man, like I really do want to help people. I want to come from a place of like, I wanted to come from a place of authenticity, but I, I, I think for, for me, part of me is just like some deep wounds to address and deal with. And as, I think, I think part of it is just that daily, that daily practice of being present and sitting through it and feeling it all out. And I think I, I'd imagine eventually, you know, we work through those things. Um, but that's just sort of where I'm at currently. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, right? Um, I would say the general North Star for that would be to follow your highest excitement. So, um, Bashar, have you heard of Bashar? (laughs) You're a fan of Bashar. So for the audience, um, I would love to hear you explain Bashar. I can help Um, out. Well, actually, I thought you meant Shar from our mastermind. So if if you're talking about something else, I have absolutely no no, idea what you're speaking to. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. So Bashar, um, Daryl Anka is a human being and Bashar is an entity, an extraterrestrial that gets um, uh, channeled through Daryl Anka. And that's where I just lost about 75% <laughs> of your audience that goes, what the hell is this guy talking about? What is he smoking? Um, too many, uh, too much microdusting. But um, no, I was introduced to Bashar the wrong way or someone sent me his YouTube and it was just like this dude with his eye closed, his eyes closed, just shouting out like a bunch of nonsense and kind of just like jibber jabbering on a bunch of spiritual stuff. And I was like, what is this? And then I had to go backwards to find out that he's, that's a human, but the person speaking or the thing speaking is an alien speaking through an a human me being like this is channeling wait channeling what what's channeling and that's what channeling is right so yeah for me it was super overwhelming at first and i thought it was a bunch of nonsense um to be completely honest and then over the course of a few months listening to more and just trying to let my judgment subside and whatnot I started to become very interested in what he was talking about, Bashar. And he refers to uh, following your highest excitement as the formula. And I can send you the link um, for the listeners. Um, You could also just Google it, Bashar, B as in boy, A-S-H-A-R, and then just write in the formula. So Google Bashar, the formula. It's like a one-page PDF. And it basically says... At any point in your life, in your day, living in the present, uh, like the power of now, right? I could either do this or I could do that. Which one do I like, do I want to do more? And you follow your gut. 
and you do that. Now, having said that, it, there's a lot of things in our lives where we just have to do it without, um, like we don't have a choice, right? So this is within reason. And the, the situation you are talking about with your business, it sounds like you have a choice and that's not like the type of thing where it's like, you know, you have to go into your nine to five and you're like, but I don't want to be here. So how is the formula <laughs> correct? Like you have a choice what you want to do in your business. So I think the answer is within you and it's what your first gut reaction is kind of telling you and gives you that. more excitement. And I'm going to br- try to bridge the gap a little bit there too. It's like <laughs> Bashar the alien, like, okay. But, um, but like, I think yeah, too, like right. everything you just described is so just fundamentally makes so much sense. So like, you know, I can tell you like when I, even, even when it comes to most religions, I'm like, I kind of see through all of the, you know, like, okay, what's the story? What's the, you know, pretty low probability thing, but it's like, what's at the core of it? What's at the core of all the messaging? And it's all, it's all fundamental across the board. And it's like, does the fundamental applicable stuff make you a better human being or make your experience on this planet, you know, more enjoyable or more for the good of all? And if the answer is yes to that, it's like, okay, you know, why not subscribe and why not have faith and try it out? Um, and I think that makes so right. much sense. And I do love that about the power of now. And I think that's where my balance is coming in. It's like, you know, all you really do ever have is that pre- like the, the present moment. And um, when you, this can get all super spiritual, but it's like feel really feeling into what we're doing right now. It gives us so much insight into if we're doing the right things or not. Cause like, the same external action, you know, that we've done a million times might be completely the, the motivation or the feeling or, you know, what comes of it can be completely, completely different um, if we're paying attention to it. But I, I digress. And I do actually want to get back to um, that question I asked you. Well, just like one more question and then we can um, wrap it up. But so for people at home, there's all this fear mongering going on. People are freaking out to you. Like, I, I just want to highlight him. Like, you know, the reason I invited to start doing like a bunch of podcasts this week with, you know, people in, in my circle is I do want to have this conversation around like, you know, spreading more positive message and spreading more love and connection. And we really do have this opportunity. Like you said, people are on my time, like, you don't need to be a van traveler or a digital nomad, you know, to now have this time freedom and time flexibility that you may not have otherwise had. And like, we're at home, we have 12, 15, 18 hours to ourselves. And we are, have the opportunity to define how we use that time. And we have this call to be mindful of how we use that time. So some people, and I can even say this was partially me yesterday when I was a little flustered was like, found myself just scrolling Instagram mindlessly, like partially, yeah, I did want to know what was going on. And partially it was like a unconscious use of my time. So if you, if to put you on the spot a little bit, what opportunities do you think we have or can capitalize on to just spread that pause? Like, you know, how can we be using our, not, I don't even want to, I don't even want to guard, like yeah. push you into that box and say, how do we use it positively? But what do you think is like, some of the best use of our time now that we're here and at home. Well, I hope that 
younger families with kids like you know still in the house like high school younger or whatever or even if they're not in the house whatever family situation like families are getting closer um and actually maybe playing board games together like it feels like this is a time around like november december <laughs> around the holidays where you know you're inside a lot because the weather's turning and because you have time off of work and you're seeing your family although this is not a time of when you're going to visit your family but i imagine homes aren't being broken up where you know the kids are you know junior high elementary etc right so it's a good time for them to reconnect hopefully um <clears throat> but speaking more to your audience, what I presume it to be. Uh, this is a good time for us, like, to really go inward, you know. And I imagine your audience is along the spiritual path, right? Uh, you wouldn't be in fit for service otherwise. And yeah, man, I think this is a good time to really up your spiritual game and go a little bit deeper than you normally do because. If you're anything like me, the reason why you miss a meditation is because, oh, work or, oh, I have to do this. Like start to feel like this is a time when we don't need to worry about our, not everyone, right? But I'm assuming like if you don't need to worry about your finances too much, um, I'm okay. I'm starting to bring negativity because yeah, at some point that's going to become okay. real. Anyways, okay. forget about the finances. Whatever Let you me want to go with it. Yeah. No, but that's not where I want to go with it because the introspective is really the big thing. And the other thing, um, other than going in, I think it's a good time to start creating something. You know, I've heard of so many people saying they want to do a side hustle or launch a business or start a podcast, write a book, whatever it may be, whatever that thing you've been doing and you've been telling yourself this story, now you have the time to do it. So I would love to see people start creating more content and launch that business or learn a new skill. Like I just bought a djembe drum. Like I should start watching YouTube videos to see how a drum, you know, like pick up a guitar, whatever it may be. Like this is a great time to spend your time wisely versus just like being on Netflix. And I, uh, having said that, I get in my binges where I find a new show and then all I do is watch TV, watch, watch and binge and whatever. And sometimes it's like I'm human as uh, anyone else. Right. And um, sometimes when you do that, you just need to embrace it. And it's like embracing the suck, you know, it's like embrace the lazy. And we saw Dr. Conver speak and we were in, uh, in Tulum for fit for service and we were in the same group. And I remember what he said about nutrition He's like, if you do a diet and you don't feel good about the diet you're doing, it stresses you out. Oh, we weren't in the same group. Never mind. But um, I hear you. Hey, yeah. I said that. If, if, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Like with, uh, with um, binging, when you are scrolling through Instagram, because we all do it. And I find myself scrolling for a half hour and be like, what just happened? What am I looking for? What am I searching that I can't find? And then having all this negative self-talk, like it's, it's the same thing with the food. Like we need to get rid of that negative self-talk and just embrace it and be like, okay, I'm in this mindset right now. This will pass. This doesn't define who I am. I'm not going to judge myself for it. I'm just going to embrace it. Yeah. So, that's an important message. Yeah. That's just something I've been thinking about a lot like this this dynamic between love and fear and like just coming full circle on things I've been thinking about lately. It's like, yeah, 
this is a time this is a time for like love and connection and we can only love we can really only love others and we can only build those deep connections with others people we're spending our time with people we want to call and check on if we have a good relationship with ourselves right and and if we fall into you know we all fall into patterns and if uh if our self-talk is negative you know we don't have a good relationship with ourselves but for me, I, I've been writing this down in my like journal each morning, and it's like love, love for self boils down to presence, acceptance, and surrender. And that's how I've been framing it for myself. It's like if I can be present enough to realize what I'm doing, and if it's something I don't like, to accept it and surrender to it and not shame myself, that is the basis of love. And only from there can I love other people. Damn, that's your medicine. That was beautiful. It's so true. No, but seriously, like that's, and I, I've seen the t- uh, type of like uh, writing you've done and helped other people in fit for service. Like that is a big calling for you. So like maybe for you, I have no idea because we've never talked about this, but maybe for you, it's been to write a book like of like poems like that or sayings, or maybe it's to start blogging more, whatever it may be like, I would invite you to lean into yeah. that and do more. Of yeah. That. And this you know conversation has been really good for that. And I'm so grateful that Corey has let me crashing at his place because uh, it gives me an opportunity. I'm not <laughs> in this like fear. It, it, that, that itself, that act of love from him gave me the opportunity to, uh, I'll have a creative space for however long this goes and I'll get to explore those things. So, um, I, I feel like this, this podcast has been like, um, a recording for the group and fit for service. Cause we keep talking about so much uh, stuff and some stuff as insider, like, just like, you know, no, most people in my network outside of fit for service, just as uh, sure. be like, hey, are you talking about Like it's kind of, um, yeah, yep. it's so well, funny. It'll be cool. Yeah. All right, Sam. Good well, time. I appreciate you taking this hour with me, man. I know I'm sure we're both like sitting here trying to fill our day with good conversation if we're locked in. So, I'm really glad you reached out and we got to do this and um, yeah, we'll stay in touch as this whole thing unfolds and, you know, keep each other accountable to spread these good vibes with everybody else, you know? Yes. I would love that. I'm a big fan of accountability. So I'm here for you, brother. And thank you for the opportunity. It was uh, always so great to talk with you. I'm looking forward to getting to know you more and, um, you're going to come on my podcast and we're going to talk beautiful, about beautiful, beautiful. And, so, and real quick before we jump, uh, be if people want to learn more about you and especially, you know, clone yourself and your spiritual platform podcast, um, uh, where can they find you at? Yes. Yeah, swagsam.com is probably the easiest thing. It's just S W A G S A M.com. And it's got a few of my projects there and you can find out how I get in touch with me there because I have like seven brands. <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect, perfect. And I'll so, link that down below. Yeah. All right, Sam, thank you again and we'll talk Thanks, soon. Thanks, Tony. Adios. All right, guys. So I hope you really enjoyed that conversation with Sam. I really enjoyed hearing about his business venture and I'm really glad that we got to spend the last 20 minutes of the call talking about, you know, our current situation and 
really how we can come together as fruity as it sounds, but you know, seriously, we all have a lot of personal power in how we react to this situation. So let's try to be mindful. Um, mindful, just let's just have presence. You know, when something happens, when we catch a news cycle and we're watching the news, let's see what comes up in us. Do we feel a lot of fear? And what do we do with that fear? Does it does it cause us to, you know, react and share more um, unvalidated news sources with other people that can continue to spread the fear? Or were we able to sit with it and feel it? And like, like Sam said, like, can we go internal? And people who are like, you know, you don't need to be like super spiritual, like meditate, meditate two hours a day to, to feel like that message connects with you. But I would invite just like that idea of can we pay attention to our internal state and what is the undercurrent that's driving our actions? So, all right, stay safe as always and hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did um, or if you have any feedback in general, uh, I'd invite you to leave a review wherever you are listening. And if you have any specific feedback, you can always reach me on Instagram at vanlifecoach underscore. Adios, everybody.